welcome. My name is Najar, better known as Woozy, and this is the Creative Balance Show presented by Woozy Apparel, a show where we sit with creatives, hustlers, entrepreneurs, and other brand builders to understand their stories and the balance needed for their success. Well, I want to welcome in the Creative Balance Show. We're here in Old Soul in Oak Park, Sacramento. Um, shout out to Evan. His name is Evan, right? Heaven? Evan? Evan. Evan. Yes. Shout out to Evan <laughs> <laughs> for allowing us to use this spot. Um, yeah, let me just, let's get into it. I want yeah. you, let, let me, how about you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Caleb. Um, should I give my last name? My name's Caleb Crenshaw, <laughs> and uh, my wife and I are planting a church here in Oak Park uh, called the Hope Community. We're launching in two weeks, uh, less than two weeks, oh, 11 wow. days. September 18th. Yeah, it's coming up. Around the corner. Yeah. How excited. you feeling? Pumped, nervous. Uh, not really nervous. <laughs> I'm pumped. Uh, <laughs> more, more. Uh, what would be the word? Focused, and uh, probably a, a little bit stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things to do. But you know, we're yeah. doing good. <laughs> I would say, like, what? What is like? What's something? Ran- is there like a random thought that keeps like trailing you when you think about it? Like maybe something that's like. It's like you shouldn't worry about that part, but you just keep thinking about it. <laughs> no, like not so much that. It's more like, uh, holy crap, it's 11 days. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's usually what goes through my mind. I'm like, holy crap, like 10 days, you know, what? like that's coming up. <laughs> How long you, you said, I remember you said it was over two years process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we started out, um, I mean, if you really want to trace it back, this whole thing started in 2019. Okay. And so like, it was like, like March of 2019 was when like I started feeling like, dude, this is, I think we're going to, I think, I think maybe we should plant a church. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I mean like if we really re- like trace it all the way back, we're at like close to three years now. Okay. Is it like a, was that, is that a blur? It has to be a bl- delay. Like it's more than three years. Oh wow. Yeah, it is a blur. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Like it's three and a half years. Yeah. No, it's, um, the amount of change that can happen in your life in three years is unreal. Yeah. Like we, we look oftentimes at life and we're like, we, we underestimate what we can accomplish in like 10 years, five years. We overestimate what we can do in a year. Mm -hmm. And so like our scales are always off Mm -hmm. and the amount of change, like (coughs) if we are leaning into something, that can take place in our life in the course of, you know, a couple of years and three years is, is absolutely unreal. I mean, I guess I can, o- I can only imagine like just when I first met you and this hearing you saying you're going to like launch a church uh-huh. for me, it's like the thought of like, ex- like being a pastor in the existing church is already crazy. But like, like how about we start a whole new one from scratch? It's like, <laughs> where do you even like start? <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I thought that was a really, says a lot i think it says a lot about you but also yeah. like that's an admiring thing because i don't yeah. think too many people <laughs> would, would do it that way like oh you know yeah. how about you go start one i'll stay here well thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's uh you know it, there's on the practical level mm-hmm. um we did the same thing like when we were like hey this is it we were literally like man um how do you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, cause we didn't know how to start a church, but that, I mean, that's a piece of like kind of going back is like when that, that moment, like 2019, someone had handed me a book and it was called launch. It was a book on church planting. Mm-hmm. And I was a youth pastor at the time. 
Okay. And I'd been at this church. We'd been in youth ministry for over a decade. Okay. And a few different places. And, um, and there was a guy kind of over church planting for our denomination that had come by and he was <coughs> at an event that we were hosting. And he said, Hey, are you, you know, what do you think is after youth ministry? And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to think about that right now. You know, future. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, we might, you know, take over an existing church and like revitalize a church or something, you know, go mm-hmm. to a church that's really struggling, help turn it around. Okay. Cause we've been in a lot of like turnaround contexts for churches. Um, Anyways, he handed me this book. He said, everybody who reads this book ends up planting a church. Yeah. And I'm up for a challenge. You know, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be the guy who proves you wrong. Yeah. You yeah. know? So I start reading the book. And as I'm reading, I'm like, man, this is like a really great way to reach people who wouldn't otherwise show up to a church. Okay. They wouldn't show up to a church building, an established church. That would be like too intimidating for them. Mm-hmm. But they'll show up to a random like location that a church is meeting at mm-hmm. for this new church that like seems to be breaking some conventional norms. Okay. Um, and then not having a building kind of puts us on this way of living that is, it's more connected and it's less walled in. Okay. You know? And so um, in all of that, we started seeing that and they talked through like strategy of how to launch a church. I was like, dude, we could do this. Yeah. Like this is a great way to reach people who wouldn't show up to a church yeah. to help, like to tell them about Jesus. <coughs> and this is, a, this is something we could actually do. Like yeah. it's doable. And so from that, I just began to like thinking about it, doing research, you know, kind of like you do when you're thinking like, hey, maybe I should do something different in my life. Started doing a bunch of research, staying up late, doing all the stuff that mm-hmm. you do. And um, and anyways, long story short, that kind of like pushed us into that path. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're going to get into that a little bit later because I want I definitely want to go deeper into that process because it's it's funny that, you know, you don't think about church as like a project or like a like a almost like starting a business mm-hmm. but it it's like that same concept you got the you know has those different steps and mm-hmm. you like just like you were excited like people want to start a business or i got an idea they like stay up all night and research it so yep. it's crazy to see that same that same like through line yeah but i want to get to know who caleb actually is you know like who is caleb so i want to ask you first where are you from i'm from oakdale Oakdale. Oakdale, bud. That's that what we say up? locally. Oakdale, bud. <laughs> uh, Oakdale, yeah. So it, that's where I grew up. It's a it's a town outside of uh, the city of Modesto in California. Mm-hmm. It's like 30 minutes out of Modesto. Um, and uh, it's known as the cowboy capital of the world. Cowboy capital? That's true, yeah. Of the world. Of the world. That's what they say. Oh, now, wow. <laughs> how true it is, I don't, I don't know. Like Oakdaleans say that or like people? Oakdale people, yeah. Okay. We have we actually have a cowboy museum. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. And Hershey Factory used to be there as well. Oh, wow. So there's a chocolate festival. These are random facts about my small town. Yeah, that, that sounds like a reason to go to Oakdale. It, you know, <laughs> they still got fact? it. They a got chocolate it. festival? Yeah. When is it? Uh, I don't know, man. It's like it's like in May or something. May? Yeah, it's like around that time. Let's go next year. Let's yeah, go. I'm looking into that. Sounds really fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is fun. But yeah, so uh, Oakdale, and it's uh, just just a little small town, and cowboy capital of the world is because. Hey, re-steer me by the way. If I'm spending too much time on something, okay. cowboy capital of the world is because we have a bunch of rodeo champions. Okay. That have come out of our town, like a ridiculous amount of rodeo champions. You know the names? Not, not a one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So how, how you, you were born and raised there or? Yep. Yep. I was there, uh, lived there until I was 22. Okay. I believe. 
And uh, when I finished my college program, then I moved to the Bay Area to become a youth pastor. So, so how, how was it growing up in a, in a town like Oakdale? I mean, it was cool. Oakdale's got a culture, mm-hmm. you know. It's small town vibes a little bit. Um, definitely has a culture. We were we were we lived in Oakdale, but uh, by second grade, I went to school in Modesto. Okay. And so, really had like kind of like that split kind of life where like church was like Oakdale people, mm-hmm. and then all my friends, aside from my like church friends, all my school friends and stuff were all modesto mm, okay so i had a unique oakdale experience okay yeah. are you though are you still uh, attached to those people now some of them uh the church friends not so much the school friends okay okay yeah well i remember you also I remember you telling me you had some friends that were in oakdale too right yeah 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 those are my church friends oh, yeah yeah so name that, does that group have a name uh no nah. <laughs> no we don't have like a cool name no that'd be pretty dope if we did though <laughs> We got to go back to the drawing board. It's never too late. It's never too late. I'm going to call them up. Okay. How was, um, was uh, Oakdale, is Oakdale like a religious place? Uh, there's a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how, I don't know what like the per capita, like, I guess per capita would be the wrong, but I don't know what the percentages are, Mm -hmm. you know? What did you say in your personal life? It was a lot, I mean, I know you said a lot of people in your personal life were religious, but was it like, was it mostly people you see like, oh, okay, God-fearing? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a really <coughs> conservative town. Mm-hmm. And so, like, so you figure when you picture, like, you know, small-town America, like, that was kind of the feel. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, like, you know, 16,000 people when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I think now it's probably around, like, 30. Like, it's grown a lot. Okay. But uh, so you kind of had that vibe of, like, it was very protected. Everybody knew everybody. Um, my, like, kind of adopted grandpa was a, was our pastor, and when he passed away, there was like a parade through the city, you know, through the town, not the city. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. But like the church was 60 people. Um, but he had been there forever and just invested. And so like, you know, there is these, <coughs> these maybe religious pieces, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone's attached to the church in some way. Okay. And so part of the fabric of a smaller community. But as far as like, Hey, everybody's showing up at church and like devout in serving Jesus. Like, that wasn't necessarily the case. Okay, I can understand that. That's that's pretty cool. I, I'm, I just wonder because you know, when I think of Oakdale, I do think about like you know the same school that you go to is the same school as your mom and dad went yep. to, and then yep. yeah, like yep. like town like that. Is it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably three <coughs> elementary schools or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, you got one junior high, Oakdale Junior High, and then you have uh, Oakdale High. And uh, Oakdale High is known for football and like and their ag program. Okay. And like you know, it's like it's it's small town. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty neat. Um. So, from high, you say you left at 22, mm-hmm. and then you went to, is that before or after you went to college? I was after college. After college, you went to yeah. college in in Modesto. Modesto. And what yeah. college was that? So, it's a fun fun fact. <laughs> I went to one college. That changed its name three times and was acquired by three different schools while I was there. Oh, wow. <laughs> it started off as, like, I think it was a Global Bible Institute. Okay. And then it became Champions College. That sounds pretty cool. And, like, kind of went up in accreditation. So kind of an interesting name, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, um, and then it was acquired by the King's University um, that was located down in Van Nuys, but it came like a satellite campus of that. 
And actually, before I graduated, they invited me to be a part of their next merger, which, w- which was with uh, SEU, um, Southeastern University. But it would have been, I would have had to take on another like 16 credits. I was like, dude, I've already paid this much. I'm not going <laughs> to <Yeah>. more classes. <laughs> like, I'm like, done. I don't want to be here no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ready to be done. And it's the same accreditation level. So, okay. uh, so I just went ahead and, you know, finished out. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So is it? I know you say you went, that was a Bible college, right? Yes, Bible college. So that's a part of the program. Mm-hmm. And then um, the internship basically like is a, it was a, a part of the youth ministry, at least the, the part of the internship that I joined. Mm-hmm. So um, so what, what had happened was <laughs> I was in a band in high school and like traveling and stuff. And um, I'd gone to a bunch of different like university, like Christian universities to check them out. Like, hey, where do I want to go? I knew that I was that I wanted to be in, in ministry in some capacity. Um, and I thought maybe it would be like music would be a part of that. And so I was looking at like colleges that had good music programs, good theology programs. Mm -hmm. And, um, none of them felt right, like for different reasons. Okay. And, um, and so I ended up with like really no options and I'm in this traveling band, uh, playing like indie music, long hair, cargo shorts, what instrument, uh, drums, drums. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so anyways, uh, we were at this venue, and I, at this point, I had like missed registration for the junior college. That was our town. My mom's gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> gotta figure something out. Now. Yeah, I gotta figure something out. And so I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, dude, I don't know. I'm gonna have to like, I'm, I don't know. I didn't know what I was gonna do. Yeah. And uh, and we're at this venue, and we're playing, and I meet this dude who is a part of this program at a church mm-hmm. in Modesto. Okay. And a uh, large church there. And so I was like, man, I, I want to, like, let's let's talk about it or whatever. And he's like, bro, this program is amazing, like, all this stuff. So um, when I realized that I was out of options, I called him up. <laughs> and I said, hey, bro, um, I want to hear more about this program. So we, gra- <laughs> <laughs> so we nice. grabbed coffee over at Starbucks in Oakdale. And then, um, and then I ended up going to the church and meeting, like, the youth pastor and stuff. And I was like, hey, this seems pretty cool because I could take they – they ran a venue, okay. a music venue where it was um, like Friday nights, they called it the underground and there would be like hundreds of kids that would show up and the team that helped to run it would like tell the kids about Jesus and offer prayer and like build relationships with these kids that are like seeing kids. Okay. And so, um, (laughs) yeah. Shout to sing. Sing kids, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I like, I love the scene and obviously we, we played. And so I was like, man, like this would be cool to go and like, and practice like, telling people about Jesus at concerts and then I'll go hit the road with my band for a few years and I'll just like witness to people about Jesus while I take college classes online. This is like, like, like looking at this, this like plan on the outside. Like this sounds like a really dope, like book, (laughs) 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 like the traveling, like drummer who's also in his spare time does ministry is like, yeah, it's dope. (laughs) Exactly. Like I, I, I would relate to that person more than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that was my game plan for life. And I was like, and then at some point, you know, maybe we'll, uh, maybe I'll like go into full-time ministry, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude. So, so then I joined the program and like the game plan was just spend a year and then go off and travel okay. and, uh, ended up actually just staying for okay. the whole program. Um, and just felt like, I felt like God kind of put a choice before me. He was like, Hey, like you can, you can do the music thing if you want. Or you could do like ministry, but you can't, you can't really do both. And that was just the sense of my heart. And, um, and I felt like, I felt like there would be more blessing, like in ministry. I felt like, like what he was saying to my heart was Mm -hmm. like, 
hey, you could do both and I'm going to bless you either way. Like you're okay. going to be all right. Okay. But um, there's going to be a different type of blessing if you say yes to ministry. And I was like, well, if I'm not dumb. Like, God, if you said that that's more blessed, I'm in. Like, and so I uh, kind of like gave up music and put myself full in for uh, for ministry and, and help people and, you know, leading people to Jesus. How did, how did the, I know it's a random question, but like how did the band take it when you're like, they were bummed. Yeah. You know, like we were actually like just on the verge of kind of a breakthrough. Oh. Of course, in a band like that, you're always on the verge <laughs> yeah. of a breakthrough. <laughs> Every, this next one is it, man. Yeah, yeah. We had we had gotten an agent and like we got connected with like the guy who recorded Colby Calais' album. Okay. Um, and like got her discovered. And so like that was, wow. that was like scheduled. And I said, guys, like I love y'all and like I wish I could be a part of this, but mm-hmm. like. I know that there's other things what I what I want to do and uh and so I left like two weeks before we went down to LA to record and I missed the opportunity yeah wow <laughs> I mean, so let me ask you one last question on that situation then because I think I think most people face with that you know that that's a tough that's a yeah. tough uh circumstance to be faced with yeah how how you know, you speak about it now, you know, a hindsight, but how yeah. in that moment, do you remember how, oh, how dude, I was, it was going through it? Yeah, I was crushed. Dude. Yeah. Oh, man, it was hard. I mean, you know, like these are the opportunities that you hope that someday you can get. And yeah. like this is like a one percent opportunity. Like mm-hmm. not everybody gets to do this kind of thing. And um, and so, like, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty special kind of thing. But and, and I'll say this for a couple of years. I like I would watch the band like every time they play somewhere I'd be like oh He's shoot like hands I could on the be window. there yeah. <laughs> that's supposed to be me who's that new drummer yeah. they released the album you know the EP and I was like oh I could have been on that you know like <laughs> so there was like those moments but like you know there there comes a point where like in our lives like we have to make hard choices yeah you know and and you know, I, I think I heard it recently. Someone was talking about like, hey, like what separates the, the good leaders from the great leaders is the ability to say no. Okay. And it's what we can say no to. Okay. And so like if I would have had kind of this split, um, I don't know, like in that season, music requ- was requiring a lot of me and so mm. was ministry. Yeah. So I was putting in like 100 hours a week for oh, a wow. while. Like, and that's not an exaggeration. Like yeah. literally between my job, the band and internship it was 100 hours a week and so like my body was tore up <laughs> and so like there and I, I probably could have kept doing it. i was 19 at the time so i, pr- I probably could have kept doing it for a little while longer yeah but like you know what does that do to your mental health what does that do you know all that kind of stuff i think the lord was sparing me that before i got there exactly you know okay nice i think yeah that's that's a that's a gym for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sure Can you imagine being faced with making a decision like that? Having two things that you love to do, but ultimately understanding that by choosing one, it will yield better results than dividing time amongst both. It's important to note that Caleb didn't feel like it was impossible to do both the band and ministry. It was a feeling that he received from God that he would be more blessed to focus on ministry than to continue to split time between each other. I also want you to think about the time he decided to make the decision. His group was on the brink of something big. They had a meeting lined up with the agent who had already successfully launched an artist. Caleb said it best. 
these are the opportunities that you wish for. Being faced with that kind of choice where you see the possible upside of one decision or you trust in your gut or in this situation his faith and choose to focus on what you're truly passionate about. These are tough circumstances, but nonetheless, he was able to make the decision that was best for him in the end. The lesson here is while it's possible to do multiple things at once, if we take the time to reflect and listen to our intuition, we'll begin to clearly see what will bring us the most fulfillment and fruit in the long run. Um, so at that, you leave that and then you go to Bible college. Yeah. And then, well, I was already in Bible college. Oh, you're in Bible college while doing that. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I was hitting like a hundred hours a week Uh, is because I was doing both. Okay. Okay. Uh, Plus working, you know, my, my part-time job at the same time. Okay. So now at 22, you graduate Bible college. How was that? How was Bible college as an experience? Yeah. I mean, it was cool. So I got, I got my AA at 22 and, um, actually technically I got it like 24 because there was some outstanding credits. It gets complicated, but like whatever. Um, but, but like Bible college was cool. I mean, I had a, I had like the Bible Institute into Bible college, into university kind of okay. experience. Because the mix. So, yeah. So the quality of the teaching went up consistently. <laughs> That's actually like a cheat code. <laughs> I saved a lot of money. Yeah. It was unintentional, but I saved a lot of money. Yeah, I was able to uh, graduate debt free. Um, but yeah, I mean that's like, I mean come on, dude, from a private university. I got a private university, a degree private Christian free. university at that. Like, bro, Fresno Pacific, and Fresno is expensive for fifty thousand a year or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, at this <laughs> point, it's, it's probably probably around forty five. When I was looking, it was like it was twenty six plus room and board. Took it up to like thirty six or something like that. Yeah. So that was ten years ago. Yeah. Plus <laughs> fifteen years ago, oh, I'm old. <laughs> Okay, you don't look old, but it but it was cool. I mean, um, I I really liked what I what I realized as I got further along, like early on in Bible college, it was like everything was new, and so it was like, man, look at this! I never thought about that before. I never thought about that before, Mm -hmm. and and also at that age too, you kind of think that you know it all. So then it was all like, I just like I just want to do ministry, but all this stuff's really cool. But like, I just want to do ministry. Yeah, and then um, and then as I got older and like. I went back to college when I was 25, okay. 26. Um, I had the opportunity to go back at like a discounted rate um, because I was on staff at a church that like, you know. Nice. So anyway, so I went back and mm-hmm. when I did, um, I by then I like, I'd, I'd preached out of the Bible for 52 weeks a year for four years straight kind of thing. And like, you know, there's, like there's, there's uh, some understanding and some wisdom that comes with all of that. Yeah. And so what, by, by the time I kind of got there, it was like I would graduate a class. And I'd be like, hey, there's like one or two things. Like I'd spend the whole semester. Mm-hmm. And really, there was like one or two things that were really a big deal from each class. And I'm like, man, I just paid $2,500 to learn one thing. Mm-hmm. But those, one, you never know what that thing is. Exactly. And, and those <coughs> things are always like monumental. And so I was like, you know, like I realized that like when you spend a lot of money on a workshop, when mm-hmm. you go to like a, a retreat and you're like, hey, I'm going to learn all this stuff. You may spend three days at a conference, but if you walk away with one thing, it was money well spent because that one thing could change the trajectory of your life. You know, well, it's funny you said that, too, because I was talking to um, I was talking to Alexis last night and we were talking about that, um, 
that concept of school like because I was telling her a concept I had learned about communications mm -hmm. and she was saying it's like she was like mentioning that it's crazy that I learned that concept outside of school mm -hmm. and she learned the same concept in school but she said it comes with the minutia you know they had to like pack the course to make it seem like you're getting your money's worth uh -huh. on top of you know because you got to pay for it yep and it's like it's crazy like it reminds me of that concept of like that they said it that is there's like 20 percent of what you do that actually dictates 80 yep. percent of the results mm -hmm. and it's like that one when i think about that one that one thing you actually get i yep. feel like that'd be a better experience you get that actual that one thing that will actually do something for you instead of getting like all this minutiae that you're like sifting through like which one is that like what's actually makes sense so real <laughs> i i think the only thing i can think that maybe justifies it is that you have to build a foundation for that one thing mm -hmm. right like because okay. if we this is me coming around the other side, right? So okay. like the devil's advocate on that yeah. would be that like there are some things that you can understand mm -hmm. like the main thought without all the rest, mm -hmm. but it's not going to stand. But if you want like, hey, this is going to stand like I like I get it. I'm not just going to be like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Like, there has to be some foundation built around that. Okay. And so maybe that's the concept, you know. I think as, as a preacher, like I'm always thinking too, like, Hey, how am I laying this foundation to set up what I'm about to say? Cause really like most of what I'm trying to say could be summed up in like past my opening statements in like that first two minutes. Mm -hmm. And then like the last five minutes is usually like, that's as far as like the point of what I'm getting to. Okay. Hey, how do we apply this to our lives? It's right there. But like the scripture lays out like the foundation of why that matters. Okay. So it definitely seems like Bible college did make a major impact. It was helpful. Yeah. It was worth the money when I looked back. While I was doing it, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I feel like most people in school probably feel that way. Yeah. So let me ask you then, like, from from now you're 22, what do you do? After, you know, you graduated, like, what was that next step? Yeah, so I, I, uh, was it going I got my AA. Major? Yeah, my plan was to, like, just – lay low and play video games mm -hmm. and help out at my church okay. and finish my BA. Okay. And so I was like, dude, I'm just going to live the college life, take okay. a couple years and chill. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things took a turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was an opportunity at, uh, at a church in Santa Clara okay. with a pastor that was, was from the church that I had interned at. Mm -hmm. And, um, I went out there to interview kind of as a, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go check this thing out. Like, I'm not going to try to stay. Yeah, yeah. And while I was there, like, I was fasting, and I just felt like the Lord spoke so strong in my heart, like, hey, this is where you need to be. And I was like one of those where you feel it to mm -hmm. tears, you know? Okay. And um, so I looked at him while I was out there, like, in my interview, I said, I was praying this morning, and I just felt like the Lord told me that this is where I need to be. So um, I just want you to know, like, I mean, obviously, you got to feel that too, but, like, I'm in. Yeah. And, um, you know, a week later he called me and said, hey, all right, we, we want to hire you. Nice. And so that was a, a big shift. Honestly, I was super sad because I was excited to play video games. <laughs> like a part chill. of you was like, maybe I'm wrong. Because with intern, internship, the way we did internship, it was like it was like a full-time job. And so, you know, you did college in a full-time job for, mm -hmm. for me, it was three and a half years. Okay. And so I was like, dude, I finally just just live college life and chill. Okay. And um, and so I grieved a little bit, like, oh, I don't get to, I don't get a vacation, you know. Okay. Um, but I got to step into, uh, you know, my dream. Yeah. You know, so can't can't argue with that. Exactly. Nice. So okay. So now we, 
where you're in ministry or yeah. you're interning in, in ministry? I, I'm I, so so when I when I finished up like that Bible college piece and internship there. Okay. Um, I was in in ministry as a youth pastor. Okay. So, at what point do you start working towards being a pastor? It, that started way. That was like internship. So my internship was oh. a pastoral internship. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay so I was okay. interning for ministry. So it was out oh. of youth ministry. So you're always going to be a pastor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all kind of connected in that. Mm-hmm. So so that sense of like, hey, like I'm called to be a pastor. That mm-hmm. goes all the way back to like, like I was like in kindergarten. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. So like my, my dad was an associate pastor at our church mm-hmm. and like my hero, you know, um, and and I loved the church and I loved God. Like yeah. it was just kind of like in me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I used to watch um, certain televangelists and stuff, and I'd be like, I want to be them when I grow up. <laughs> 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 now I look, I'm like, some of that stuff was really sketchy. Yeah. Uh, but like, but anyways, but it, but it wasn't about all that. It was like the fact that like I saw them ministering okay. and people's lives being touched, and I was like, man, I want I want to be a part of that. Like I want to do that when I grow up. And uh, like even in kindergarten, you know, they'd be like, hey, draw a picture of you doing what you want to do when you grow up. And I drew like me preaching. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's actually really like. I think that's really, you know, because I feel like that has a lot more meaning. You know, most kids are like firefighter. Yeah. Police officer, like things that they, you know, see. Yeah. And um, I think it has, you know, you're you can tell you're more serious because you didn't have like a generic thing. It's like if you put pastors like it's not like you just like eh, anything. Let me think of anything is like, no, you. That's something yeah. like interesting. One hundred percent, dude. And it was like like from from all of that. So like the whole music thing was like that was a dream that came later and I was like, Maybe I could do that and this. But there was always like like this internal like man, like I feel like this is what I was made for. Like okay. this is the purpose God placed on my life kind mm-hmm. of thing. As a believer, obviously like I'm like, Man, God puts purposes in our life. Oh wow. And I was like, Man, this is what this is what I'm created for. Okay. So now let's get into the the launch so how how does you said you said there was a book that you read yeah what was that book launch it was called launch yeah it's called launch and who was it by uh i don't know you don't remember i don't remember but we'll, it's a good we'll, book we'll, we'll get it it's a classic <laughs> in church planting okay you, if you look up you can google like launch church planting book it'll come out <laughs> it'll guaranteed come up. yeah okay it's got so, a chair on the cover and you said that was gifted to you by it was gifted to me by um one of the uh one of the leaders for our denomination okay and yeah. then was so I want to understand like what what was the mindset of like why I know you said at first you were going to just you know do you know just basically like work with a church that's already been established yeah. like is there is there do you understand why it was a reason why they'd rather you you know plant a church yeah. instead of start up already well this this denominational leader he's in charge of church planning mm-hmm. so he he wanted he wanted me to church plant because he's in charge of it you know? yeah <laughs> but um you know I think when when I look at for me personally, like why why that instead of going to an established church? Because uh-huh. obviously an established church is like a guaranteed salary, health benefits, like all that's kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for church planting, like none of that's guaranteed. Yeah. Um, but one, there was a sense of like, man, like we can reach people that we couldn't reach if we were just starting a church, mm-hmm. uh, or if we were just uh, sorry, if we were just. Um, doing a turnaround kind of context with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then too, like we had been in a, a few churches that had been in that turnaround context and it was rough. And I'd seen like what the leadership went through and stuff. And I was like, man, do I really want to 
do I really want to spend the next five to 10 years like pushing up against an elder board that's mad at me? Oh, wow. Or, or could we go ahead and just start something fresh and believe mm-hmm. God to do something special? Yeah. And, um, and, and end up having a greater reach earlier with the people that we want to reach, which mm-hmm. is like the outsiders, the person who wouldn't show up to a church normally. Okay. Because we didn't want to just be traditional in how we go about church. Okay. So, so you get this idea for launching a church. Mm-hmm. Who's the first person you tell? I talk with Michelle about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of where you start, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> start with my wife. Um, yeah. So I talked with her first um, and she was like, all right, well, you know, whatever. I don't <laughs> think so, but whatever. <laughs> She's like, okay, yeah, go why don't sleep, sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> sleep on it a little bit. Yeah. What she really meant was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, honestly, I didn't really talk to, to anybody. But I, have, I have a friend that's like connected with church planting okay. a little bit. And so I like, I talked to him and was just like, hey man, like, I don't know, I'm like looking into, I'm thinking about it. He pointed me to some researches or resources to check out. Mm-hmm. And so um, I watched a few videos and stuff from um, an organization called ARC that has like associate, uh, association of related churches. And they have like a, some basic training and I had access to some of those videos. And so I was like looking at some of that to just get a, like a greater feel. Yeah. And um, yeah, but, but that was kind of like, I didn't really talk to anybody about it until we got a little further in. Okay. So now you have this idea for to plant a church. How long from the idea to then like action? I know there there was like yeah. I believe you went to Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. So so our path is not linear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was not like A to B. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read this book and it was just like, man, maybe this is what we're going to do. I'm staying up at night. I'm reading, doing mm-hmm. research, all that kind of stuff. And then um, Michelle was not down. Uh, yeah. Partially because we were still working through a lot of stuff in our marriage at the time. And like we had a lot of work to do. Okay. And she knew it. And she was like, dude, I ain't, I ain't messing with all that. Because <laughs> um, uh, church, church planting is hard on family and marriage. And so she was like, dude, I'm not going to go in like this. Mm-hmm. And so we had gone to a like a conference for our denomination and there was a church planting like lunch. And I was like, this is the chance. Like she's going to come with me to this church planting lunch and okay. God's going to speak to her heart. And she's going to be like, I'm in, you know? Yeah. And then one of the kids got sick and she wasn't able to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, what's going on here? <laughs> uh-huh. And so uh, the crazy part is about that time, mm-hmm. you know, I'm walking back and I'm depressed. I'm like, God, you know, you put this thing in my heart, but like, she's not even here, you know? Yeah, I know, right? And, um, but I knew like our marriage needed help too. And so like, I just felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and I like, man, I, I need to stop reading about church planting and leadership. Mm-hmm. And I need to, I need to start really putting that same amount of effort into my marriage. Okay. And so, um, so I stopped by, we were at a denominational conference. So I stopped by like a marriage booth Okay. <laughs> and I bought $150 of marriage curriculum. Okay. And I was like, I'm invest. I'm going all in with marriage right now. And so, um, you said how much? $150 of marriage curriculum. Like I bought every book the man had Yeah, that's and his video curriculum, you know? Like yeah. Like that's <laughs> man. That's a lot. Was, I mean, how, like, what does that look like? Like, is that it like, was like multiple workbooks and then a couple sets of books? And then there was another book and then, oh, there, wow. you know, like, and then he gave us a gift bag. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I hope like <laughs> you better a little, give me a gift bag, a little gift bag with, <laughs> side, with a sticker on the side. We're working on it. <laughs> I think that'd be a good yeah. thing for a business. The, the, the book, the book was called uh, "Never Settle for Good Enough." Okay. And um, anyway, so we started going through that mm-hmm. every Monday. We would have breakfast together, and so I told you it's not linear. Yeah, like, yeah. It's this like roundabout way because God had to work on us to even get us to the point where we're healthy. Okay. You know? And so, uh, anyways, that like really healed our marriage. We spent breakfast together for weeks, uh, mm-hmm. just working through this thing and just talking and like reconnecting. Mm-hmm. And um, a few months later, there was a church planter that came to our church and like spoke. And there was a video that he showed that was like it was really impactful. It was a powerful video. Okay. And Michelle looks at me with like tears in her eyes, and she's like, "Let's plant a church." <laughs> and I was like, "Baby girl, that is a good video. <laughs> Show that video more often." <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, let's see how you feel in a week, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so we, we ended up going on a prayer. We already scheduled it. We went on a prayer retreat. Okay. And um, and God just spoke again to me. He, she was like, I know God spoke to me. So she, she didn't need to hear again. Exactly. But for me, like, I need to hear again. Because by that point, I had let go of the dream. I was like, God, like, I'm going to take care of my wife. I'm going to take care of my marriage. And, like, so if, if we never get to this other thing, like, I'm cool. Like, yeah. We're all right. Mm-hmm. And, um but then when God spoke to her heart, it kind of reignited everything and started the nice. train again. And so that was kind of that restarting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was about a year later um, before we actually ended up in D.C. Okay. And that was because we went to a, a church planting conference. Again, like, God speak to us. We want to make sure that this is what you're calling us to do because church planting is hard. Yeah. And it doesn't work for everybody. Exactly. And I can imagine. Yeah. And we could go bankrupt in the process. Like, I don't want to do that and yeah. let everybody down, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we were trying to like, really like God, we want to make sure when we're talking to church planters all over the place, like, Hey, tell us all the horror stories so we can like make sure that we really want to do this. Okay. And, um, anyways, we're at this conference and we met Mark Batterson, who's the pastor at national community church. Okay. Um, where we ended up going and doing the program. Okay. And that just kind of began a conversation over the course of another nine months. Mm -hmm. We moved to DC and spent a year there training, uh, before moving back to Sacramento nine months ago now uh, to actually start the church. Wow. If there's one word that can sum up Caleb's story, it's definitely sacrifice. From giving up his spot in the band to pursue ministry, to using his leisure time to start working at an already established church, heck, he even gave up the dream of starting a church to focus on his marriage. Caleb has been faced with some very, very tough decisions that would cause most people to fold under pressure. But in the end, through his own intuition and guidance from his relationship with God, he has been able to think clearly and make precise decisions that have always served him best. Now, let's listen to see where those sacrifices finally led him. So how long... So how long have you been in SAC starting the, the launch? Since January 2022. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. How how was that experience when you were in Washington D.C.? Amazing. Was it like? Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if you went in there with went in there with any like misconceptions or like I like already had like an idea what it was gonna be like, but like, was it like, was it a pleasant surprise? You know, I, I had no idea what it was gonna be like. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, we moved there three weeks after January 6th. Okay. So like the city's still kind of reeling off of that obviously mm-hmm. and um so it's just an interesting time to move in and then it's still in the middle of covid mm. and so we were planning like by then california had started opening up but dc was still completely shut down oh wow and so we started off the program like over zoom mm. 
mm-hmm. and we we moved from like a two bedroom house uh, with like a big backyard in the burbs, you know, to uh, to a like a condo, a condo, I guess, like mm-hmm. on the sixth floor of a fifteen story building. Oh wow! And like it was culture shock, bro. The first couple of weeks, and people were pretty rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you don't get that. Like West Coast, there's a there's a hospitality that goes yeah. with that a little bit. Um, there's an openness. Uh, people take care of you. Not on the same level as like the South, but like you know, it's like West Coast. Yeah. Um, on the East Coast, dude, like it's just not the same. Like your waitress doesn't come by and fill up your drink unless you ask. You know, like <laughs> she's like, "Do you not see I'm busy?" <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't find a good breakfast place. Yeah. You know, like it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was it was culture shock, bro. Yeah. And then, um, you know, what ended up happening though is that like over time, um, we just began to like adjust to it, and as things began to open up, and we were around people, mm-hmm. you know. It, any place that you are, it's all about the relationships you have, mm-hmm. like how you feel about that place. It's not really like some of it's the place. A lot of it's the relationships. It's how the, how the people make you feel. Okay. And so we developed some great relationships mm-hmm. and then, you know, DC has a lot of free stuff. Like, so we are like going to the Smithsonian, yeah. you know, we're out at all the, you oh, know, Smithsonian is free. Yeah, it's free. Wow. I never, I never would have guessed that was free. Bro, I mean, you just, if you can fly to DC, then you get free activities, you know? <laughs> So that sounds like a worth the trip. <laughs> they had like outdoor pools that are free and stuff too that are like nice. on public, like they're in the middle of a park. Like it's it's pretty dope. Like some of the stuff. Wow. Um, and then it snowed, mm-hmm. and like you know we don't get snow out here. Like yeah. So it was, it just was it was like those kind of things, and at the same time, um, I was like, we had one car, mm-hmm. two kids. When okay. we moved, we had a puppy. The puppy didn't come home with us. Ah, we found a new home for that puppy. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot. This is not a lot of room for a puppy, bro. The first, the first three months, I was like, all that I do all day is try to work and then clean up pee. Yeah, like, that's it. And it was puppy pee and and my son. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, <laughs> trying to potty train. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally, I'm just wiping up pee all day long. But um, you know, but but it was it, what was cool is that over time, like you know, you figure out how to make things work, right? So mm-hmm. like. You know, we Michelle would take off to work and then I would ride the bus with Josiah to his school uh, and like drop him off at school um, on via like the public transit system. Mm-hmm. And then I would hop on another bus that would take me to the metro okay. and I'd ride the metro into the city to like oh, wow. go to the church so that I could work. And like, uh, but it was like, hey, like we're going to do whatever we need to do. And I think like, you know, when you look at even like church planting or entrepreneurship in general, mm-hmm. like there's this aspect of like, Hey, like there's going to be challenges mm-hmm. and like, are we willing to work past them? And that grit. Yeah. It's like, it's the grit and it's, and it's the creativity and it's the, like, it's all the kind of stuff. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, Hey, like it, it allowed us that year allowed us to start taking bite-sized sacrifices mm-hmm. uh, and making bite-sized changes to our life okay. while not everything was on the line. Okay. And, and, and in the process, like all of that begins to form and shape your character. Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like I went to DC as one person. By the time I came back, I was a different person, different person, different wow. person. Okay. Like I said, that does mean, so now you, you know, you go to DC and you get, like I said, I almost want to say like a boot camp Cause that's the way you, the way you explain it is like, almost like, like, <laughs> like, I'm trying to imagine, like, when you go to, when you went to D.C., is it, like, you're shadowing somebody running a church? Like, what it, like what's the biggest, well, like, because I don't want to go maybe too deep into it. Because, sure. you know, kind of give away the, you know, go do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, but, like, what's, like, one of the biggest skills you took away from there that? I, I would say this, like, so I didn't, like, shadow a specific person, like, mm-hmm. everywhere they went. Uh, although that would have been pretty dope, too. <laughs> um, 
I'm more like I was invited into the room with decision makers and then I helped to serve in launching new things. Okay. And so being in the room with decision makers, it's like you're watching people process difficult decisions, make calls, Mm -hmm. um, trickle information down from like in different levels, different Mm -hmm. people. Um, and like that whole process of like, you know, from the time the idea was formed and went to like the, the high up decision makers all the way down to like in, it was announced on Sunday morning. I was able to watch that process with some very smart people mm-hmm. and how they manage projects over the course of a year, all that kind of stuff. And it helped to create some realistic paradigms mm-hmm. for leadership and how we can communicate over time and drive change within an organization. Okay. So that was like, that was massive. And then we helped to la- launch a campus out there too. We were on a team that launched a campus for nice. the church. And so that was helpful too, to see like, how the leadership handled different situations as you're in the middle of launching really a church. Okay. So now, okay. So now you come back from Washington. First, let me address that. Like, I think that's really like cool. First of all, like, <laughs> like I don't, like I said, I, I, I feel like most people probably don't ever think about the, the, how to start a church, you know, like yeah. I think people think it's just the building and someone runs in there, but like, yeah. I don't think they really think about the building that community aspect to like get yeah. people in those seats. Yeah. And I think it's pretty, I think it's really cool that there's like a, I won't say a course, but it's like, there's, there's like a, there's like a, like you said, like almost like entrepreneur, there's like a way to go about learning that, yeah. learning those skills yeah. to then apply them, apply them. Yeah. And well, and we had like, it was like that program helped me on a lot of fronts and it kind of gave some hands on. Right. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time I was working with, I had gone to like a CMN church multiplication network, like launch training. And so they like outlined a whole bunch of stuff. I was reading books on church planting, like constantly, mm-hmm. And then, um, and then there's an organization called Stadia Church Planting that like assigned me a coach okay. that helped me to kind of work through like our plan. Mm. They did like fundraising training. Like there was there was a lot of like, wow. like the amount of training that went into it was was more than you're right. Like more than most people would think. It was more than I thought. Yeah. Because um, it's not just like you know you, I don't know I picture like the Wild West. You know like we're just starting a church. You know? Yeah, exactly right. Um, but there's get people in the seats. Yeah. <laughs> But man, if it was that, uh, we probably would have. It'd be me and Michelle in the church right now, probably. <laughs> but uh, but we learned how to how to how to plan, organize, and uh, man, I'm I'm really grateful to these organizations, Stadia, uh, Church Church Multiplication Network, and Arc, um, uh, Association of Related Churches, like for investing in us because we would have been lost, bro. Okay. Yeah. So now now like I said, we went through this training, yeah. and now we're was how many ten days. 11, 11 days 11 11 days from starting a church yeah how how was that how was that like was it i won't say a breeze i won't say that but like now that you so have easy. this training <laughs> yeah now that you have this training like coming landing in sacramento and going through that process how was that yeah you know um there's knowledge mm-hmm. and then there's like knowledge experienced mm-hmm. um <coughs> man we learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty pretty light, huh? <laughs> we learned a lot. Um, you know, there it's uh, truthfully like there's different levels of this mm-hmm. where if on the strategy front, there's the grit front, there's the how are we engaging people and living intentionally front. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the spiritual front. Do I trust God? Like um, kind of all those things. And dude, like we, we went into this kind of like, Hey, we're going to burn all the bridges and run straight in. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no plan B. 
and uh, and that was intentional because like if we have a plan B we probably would go back you know um, but with no plan B we got to search ahead and so yeah I think, I think you said something really I want to touch on because I feel like a lot of people spiritual or not can really like take away from this is mm-hmm. like how did you deal with that because you said like you said I went I would say it, it definitely challenges your faith when you you know you feel like this is something I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. and you you know you see all the signs but as you're doing it there's also a lot of obstacles like oh, crazy amount. How, how did how did you like I said you not turn around and be like you know what I'm just gonna go be a pastor at that church in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> make up your mind I'll, I'll tell you I mean part of it for us honestly was that we support raised as well so like there's people that have trusted us enough to mm. say we believe that you believe in your vision and you're going to follow through. And so here's money okay. to help you with that vision. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to let these people down. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm letting these people down. And so like, that was a piece of it, you know, honestly, like it's like this, like, Hey, like there's people that count on us. Like right now we got a whole team of people that are helping us plant this church. And what does that say about God? If we quit, mm-hmm. you know, what does that say about, about the church and how trustworthy people are and like, what did I say about them? Like you basically almost built like a, like a support network, like a, what do they call it? Um, I can't remember the term of it, but the term basically is somebody who keeps you accountable. Yeah. Yeah. So our why in all of this is like, like we do have the baked in mission. Like, Hey, like we believe that God has a plan for Sacramento mm-hmm. and that like, we want to be a part of it and that God's called us to be a part of it. We believe that like, as we plant a church in Oak park, we're going to be building bridges. And this isn't just a church that's like for this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's going to impact a couple people, mm-hmm. but regardless of how many people come that this is going to impact the city. Okay. And so like, there's these pieces that are there that we're like, man, there's so much that's so much greater. Like our why is so far beyond us. Okay. That is like, dude, we've got to, we've got to go all in. Yeah, exactly. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then the other side is we have a lot of accountability okay. because people have trusted us. And so when you have people who trust you, um, there's a different like weight of like this can't fail. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because like, I mean, honestly, we've, we've, we've put our whole selves into this. Mm-hmm. Like there, again, no plan B, like our savings is locked up in this, like mm-hmm. not, not all of it, but like, a lot of our savings has been <laughs> invested into this, exactly. uh, a, a good chunk. And then like we, we've invested our lives into this people. So like, I'm not we're, like, we're not going to turn back cause there's accountability and all of that too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we've made the choice. I think there's what, what, what my generation, I think Gen Z too, like at times can like struggle with is one Gen Z is all about causes, which I love. And so it's like, hey, let's sell out for a cause, right? And if it's a worthy cause, that's worth it. Yeah. But I feel like I still see people like always looking for like, what's my backup plan? Mm. I'm playing this side game over here. Mm. I'll be fine regardless. Mm. And like at the end of the day, I know I'll be fine regardless. Like if everything fell apart, like we'd be all right. We'd figure it out because I work hard. I'm determined. Like God's got us. Exactly. Like we're going to be fine regardless. But I don't have like some side thing on the side. Like, oh, I'll be all right because I got this other plan over here. Mm-hmm. Oh, heck no, dude. <laughs> yeah. But when we have these things, it's too easy to turn. So when things get hard, we're like, oh, it's fine. You know, I'm just going to go do something else. Yeah. And so we miss like, like the, the, some of the best stuff is after some of the hardest work and the hardest seasons. It, it reminds me of, it's a book called, um, the dip and the, I don't know if you have, you read it? I've heard of it. Yeah. So the dip, the, basically the concept that I want to talk about is like, they talk about the dip is like, there's like this like crescendo basically of like, of like effort you have to put in. Yep. And people usually give up at the like almost at the point, like basically if you just went a little bit longer, mm-hmm. you would 
see the results for your work. Yep. And, but it, I, like I said, it's one of those things where it, your why means yeah. a lot. You're accountable, you know, how you're accountable. Cause yeah. you know, you get to that point. It's like, you, you ask yourself, why am I, I think everybody gets that point. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I doing this? And if yep. you don't have a solid foundation of yep. why you're doing it, yeah, you're going to, you're going to back out. Like hundred <laughs> percent. And, and it, I mean, one of the things that's helped us too, is we have a timeline that's laid out mm -hmm. and we know like, Hey, we're going to hit these marks. Yeah. So like we know launch day is coming okay. and we're working towards it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like this indefinite, like, Oh, at some point we'll do this. Mm -hmm. I had a coach cause we were, we were toying with the idea of like, Hey, do we like have this kind of optional date? Like, Hey, depending on how many people are on our team, we might scoot it back, like whatever. And our coach told us, he said, man, like you just need to make the hard date. And like, then you work towards it and your team will work towards it and you guys will get there. But nice. if you keep scooting it back, you'll never make it. Exactly. And so hard dates, they help. Yeah, that, that, that something about that deadline makes, makes you do a lot more than you thought you could. Date it, define it, do it. That, that, I love that right there. <laughs>
puppies in potty training <laughs> i got rid of the puppies that's how i balance the puppy yeah. got rid of it i know right uh, my poor daughter doesn't want a dog now because she's afraid we'll give it away it's heartbreaking <laughs> um, hey you know man um balance is a myth it's an illusion there's no such thing mm-hmm. um especially for productive people mm-hmm. and so um carrie newhoff talks about this um Gosh, what is what's the name of the book? It's, he just he just released it as like a fuel gauge on the front, but he talks about managing your energy, mm-hmm. and so it's not about like balancing; it's about managing your energy flow. Okay. And so the idea is that like, um, like you're not you're not going to have balance with your your family, your work, and it, like it's impossible mm-hmm. to do that and actually because because it takes extreme focus to push something forward. Hundred percent. And to be a good dad, it takes extreme focus. Mm-hmm. And to be a good husband, it takes extreme focus at specific times. But what, what we, I think, sometimes, we're like, in our minds, we think all about quality. Mm-hmm. And we think in quantitative terms okay. for our time. And so we say, like, hey, like, I want to I wanna make sure that I've got enough time mm-hmm. with my family, enough time with my work, enough time with my kids, okay. enough time for myself. Mm-hmm. But it's about, it's about qualitative it's about like what's the quality of the time that I'm spending mm-hmm. and how does that affect the overall results? Okay. 15 minutes of focus time with my kids is better than three hours of watching a movie. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes of focus play time, they'll remember that. Yeah. They're not going to remember me watching a movie with them. And I, I feel like that's same another another conversation i had with alexis was, was that same that same concept of like checking off a box mm-hmm. versus like actually being engaged with what you're doing yes um i i like how you point out that balance in it because even though like you know i hate to say like that like creative balance but like even if for me like i read a book called the one thing and it talks about that there's like you said the myth the balance we live on we live on extremes you know there is no balance it's about this is about where your life is at that moment. You know, it might be more extreme work at this point in life. Yeah. It, might, it might be more extreme family, or it might just, you know, yeah. go up and down. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I like how you, you basically came to that conclusion already. Like it's, it's a myth. Yeah. So when you, when you like, a couple of things that we put in, like, you know, you've heard, you've probably heard the illustration of like, hey, like if you're filling a bucket, mm-hmm. you start with the big rocks first, right? So, and then you, you go smaller and then you pour in the sand. And so then you have margin for everything. Talking about the anecdotal, of the, it was a professor. Yes. And he, he had sand, yes. pebbles, and rocks. Yes. And basically, basically, the way the story goes is that he was teaching a class, and there was a jar. He had a, a big jar. He had sand, rocks, and pebbles. And the sand uh, represented the minutia of life, you know, social media, things that aren't important, or that we you know we keep our time, that keeps our time up. Pebbles are like things that are a little bit more important, and the rocks are like the main. The main meat of you know of life basically, yep. and when he poured the sand in the jar first, there was no room for anything else. Yep. And then people were like confused, like, well, how are you gonna fit everything there? If you put the sand in it, it doesn't it doesn't work. Yep. But when you put the big rocks first, and then the pebbles, yep. you fill in the extra cracks, and then the sand fills in the rest, and it all can fit in that jar. And just yep. prioritize. One hundred percent. And so for us, like, we had to establish, you know, what are the big rocks for me. Big rocks is like bedtime with my kids. That that ain't that ain't ever moving out. Like I might miss one or two here and there. Yeah. But like almost every single night, I do bedtime routine with my kids. 
and that is focused time. And they feel like dad is there regardless of how much I'm gone because of this focused time. Uh, and then and then like my work hours are like big rocks. I'm gonna make sure so I'm I'm just talking calendar here, you know? Because yeah. then within that obviously it splits up, right? Uh, a date night with Michelle, big rock. Like these and these things of focused intentional time allows me to be more like my time goes further because when I'm using it, like, it's more so like that that's kind of like I mean those pieces before like three months ago before we hit the sprint of like the last few months of launch we went on vacation as a family we set that vacation date last year and we said hey before we really kick in gear we're gonna go ahead and spend a week together doing family things and uh, and like we hyper invested so that way in this moment where like I, I don't think I've had a day off or something. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in that moment, which you know, Lord forgive me for breaking the Sabbath, you know, but like uh, in in that like in that that season that we knew was coming, I've already hyper invested in my family. So like my kids still, and I still have a nighttime routine with them. They still feel loved and taken care of. And then when, once the church launches, we're going to go on another mini trip because I'm going to make sure I hyper invest right here. We've withdrawn a yeah, lot. Yeah. You put. You know. You gotta. Like, like when I talk about that book of extremes, you know, you, you can't go on one extreme and then go back to things that you kind of have to, you kind of have to bounce it out in that way. Yeah. You know, like you said, four weeks, all work. You can't just be like, okay, we're going to go back to regular semester. Like, no, we got to take a break. Yeah. So let me let me ask you, because, you know, you brought the Sabbath, and, which is what I love about the Bible is that it, it, it does have, you know, like if you pay attention, it's like a lot of things that like, are important like yeah. why is there a whole day where you should do nothing yeah like how, how important especially since you you know you, you've been on this crazy journey like how important has rest been on so achieving so because you got to be sharp right like so that means like it's your mind it's your body it's your soul like it's, it's kind of all of that it's all got to be all very sharp uh, my body I let go a little bit in this process. <laughs> Hello. But uh, I mean, I'll say this. I know I, I said like, hey, I haven't taken, I haven't, I haven't taken a day off in probably like four weeks, uh, and that's not like a brag. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's a seasonal thing. Like, yeah, I wouldn't normally do it this way. <laughs> but um, what I have done is that on Sunday afternoons, I go home and rest. Probably do that. Go with my family a bit. You know, like watch a movie, but like, like we chill. And then like I slow go into Monday. I don't like start up 6 a.m. I'm rolling on Monday. Uh, you know, most of my Mondays over the last four weeks have been like I start probably around like 11. Uh, one of my things I started at like noon, because I was like, you know, like, I'm just gonna take my time. I'm gonna sleep in. Yeah. I'm take a shower. Yeah. I'm gonna shave. <laughs> you know, not like clean shave. But, you know, I'm gonna clean it all up. Yeah. Uh, because I'm like, man, like we put in a lot. It's time to reinvest it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, I think, like I said, you definitely, I, I won't say hit it on the head like there was something to hit, but I think you gave some really, like, that's like some solid things. So, before we go, like I said, I feel like we're kind of sure, but I, I feel like we also had a really good conversation too. Yeah, that's great. I want to ask you, like, um, two things. To stay on this topic a little bit longer, like, what advice would you give somebody who's like 
think they're in a serious relationship. I feel like a lot of people relate to this. You know, a lot of people are trying to chase a, a major goal. A lot of people, you know, I'm 25. A lot of people at this age are like chasing something major that, that's going to like, you know, change their life in their 30. Like, for those people who might be in a marriage or in a serious relationship, why at that point, like, what advice would you give them while they're also trying to pursue something that's like they feel like might be their next step? Yeah. Well, I mean, and truthfully, like, your 20s is like the building blocks for the rest of your life. Like, what you do in your 20s determines what your 30s look like. Mm -hmm. and, it, and that includes the relationships you build, which is why, like, we don't burn relationships, right? Like, we don't burn bridges. We always care for relationships, even with people who are with us. Because you never know how God might use that relationship or how that relationship might help you later on if we're just respectful and kind. Um, that's very practical. I think that's even biblical. Like, I'm sure I could find some proverbs around that. I probably yeah. should study that sometime. Yeah. Sounds like a good, good place to study something. Yeah. Like that. But, um, but again, things flow in seasons, right? So like, when I dated Michelle, like, that got a ton of my energy. But there was a season where it was like, most of my free time was spent trying to figure out how to get around Michelle somehow because we live three hours away from each other. So like, how do I spend more time with her at some point in the day? Uh, how do we? How do I do something special to make her feel great? And when's the next time I get to talk to her? And that was like a lot of my time uh, while we were still like leading the ministry and doing like, I, or I was still doing that like with my team in youth ministry. And so uh, I don't know that that it does balance. You know, I think that there is once again it's this push pull, and there's probably some seasons. And I don't know that I did great. Like. I was the kind of guy that I would like fall in love with a girl or whatever, like, and it didn't happen all the time, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, and Michelle was unique in in what all of that was like. But I like, I, like, I would go all in, and with Michelle especially, like, I was just all in. I'm like, I would spend every week second with you, um, and I still love her like that. Like, it's still it's still here, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, now we're living life together, so we have to figure out how to how to make some margin. Yeah. Um, so like I said, a balance, like what are some skills? Man, skills. You did, I mean, you did spend $150 worth of you know, relationship was out. <laughs> we want to get a little free, some freebies to see if it's worth the investment. Yeah, you know, man. Um, there, I know I just talked about qualitative time. On the other side, there's no substitute for time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Really, really getting to know a person. I don't. I don't know that I could go universal because it's hard to go universal because everyone's personality is so different, right? So what would be for us, uh, for me and Michelle, like a game changer in our relationship was when I started becoming empathetic and listening and leaning in and asking questions. Because a lot of times I would think to the degree of like, oh man, like. Wow, you went through that. That really sucks. <laughs> so I'd say that, like, man, that really sucks. I'm sorry you went through that. Yeah. So are you hungry? <laughs> you know, and like that was the extent. Yeah. Uh, I, Lord, help me. <laughs> just the emotional detachment, uh, and that, and part of that's due to like when my dad passed, like childhood trauma, like it's all that's all connected, yeah. right? We all got it. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, when I learned to begin to lean in, and oh man, that really sucks. Tell me more about that. Like that question changes everything. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Are you are you cool? I, I wanted to bring up a couple other things, but I want to make sure that you feel like you know heard and listened to. Is there anything else to you? Like, or are we okay to move on to something else? How do you feel right now? Yeah. Like these are like good, honest questions that have helped our relationship significantly. 
um, and it's just taking the time. Whenever I try to shortcut um, empathy, or if I try to shortcut um, an argument, um, instead of taking the time to ask the question, listen, listen again, and ask another question, uh, even when I already, I'm gonna say the same thing six minutes from that, uh, whenever I shortcut it, that always results in distance. Shortcuts are never shorter, they're always longer in relationships. And so it's about taking like the right course and spending the time, investing it, paying attention, asking the question, and leaning in. And, uh, and if we understand well, at some point, our spouse, if they're even remotely close to healthy, will begin to lean back in towards us. So, man, I would, like I said, that, that is already in, its, in itself is actually like helpful. I mean, even like you say, even though it's not general, I think that mindset, giving people that mindset help people just think about the situation. Like, like you said, um, even though you said qualitative, but it's also, like you said, how much time are you spending with that person? You know, you can't really, you know, marriage or dating someone and spend 30 minutes with them a day like that. And then think like, well, don't you understand my situation? And I've, I've been there personally. I've, like I said, I've made my own mistakes of chasing chasing a career and like, don't you understand what I'm trying to chase? It's like, yes, but like I'm human. <laughs> well, and even that piece, like Michelle is down to make sacrifices. Of my, like, like if I'm sacrificing time with her and she's having to invest more with her kids and like do all of that, she's down as long as we talk about it first. Mm -hmm. But if I just assume she's gonna do it, that's gonna harm the relationship. Exactly. And so like, it's, it's again, it's like, Am I leaning in and involving her? Or am I just like, hey, like this is my career, this is my dream, this is our, this is for our family. Yeah, yeah. Can't you understand? That's not gonna work. Yeah. But if instead I say, hey, babe, like I feel like it's gonna be good for us. Can we talk about it? And most of the time, she'll like, she'll go along with it because she loves me, and I involved her in the process, and it's something I care about. Nice. So, last question. I'm pretty sure she's ready. To yeah, go. she's ready to go. Yeah, she probably has the vacuum. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate oh, yeah, you. Yeah, some one more question. Well, one more question, we're out. <laughs> Take your time. You're the best. I'm around like should... here by 8.30, we're chilling. Oh, cool. okay. Yeah. We'll go love the long skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, oh, please don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just um, You guys are doing good. Yeah, appreciate you. So, I feel like I don't want to ask this question because it is a loaded question, but I do want to ask it because I feel like people have this question. It's, does it, you know, does it get any easier? You know, like on the other, you know, I think people will think like on something like a business or I'll give a good example of the gym. They feel like once I get the six pack, it'll be easier. Um, but I want to get your idea. Like, does it get any, do you, will it get any easier? Do you have an idea if it'll get any easier? Well, if, once you get the six pack, <laughs> you start to maintain the diet and the regimen, mm -hmm. but now you know how to do it. Yeah. So, but your body adjusts, right? So then you got to, gotta mix it up yeah uh, I think that's a great illustration because it's, it's a lot like that <laughs> it's a lot like that does it get easier um, in some ways I think you make different sacrifices in different seasons and uh, some seasons cost more than others but uh, you know I'm looking forward launch season has been a lot of fun I'm really looking forward to being done with launch season it's a lot of work um, there's a lot of questions like, you know, I'm confident that we're going to have a lot of people show up on Lunch Sunday and we're going to have people 
yeah, as a person of faith, this is my desire. Like, I, I want people to make a decision to follow Jesus. And so, like, we're going to have a lot of people follow, follow Jesus on it and make a decision to follow Jesus uh, that wouldn't otherwise maybe come to the church. They're going to show up. They're going to give their lives to Jesus. Um, I, I believe that at, at some point, like, all of this stuff is all going to come together. And then what's going to happen is uh, after launch Sunday, we're going to move into, like, one of the processes to sing the church. And it's just a different challenge. It's going to require different sacrifices. But um, in some ways, it's going to be a lot easier. I'm not going to be working seven days a week. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, now we're going to, to maintain and sustain and build. And it's a different type of sacrifice and a different type of challenge. Because now I've got a team that's established that I have to, not have to, that I get the privilege to like invest in and, and help them to take the next steps individually so that collectively we move forward. And that's it. I think that's a perfect way to end it. But before we end it, where can they find you and give me information about the church if they want to, they're in the Sacramento area? Yeah, hey, come to Sacktown. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Caleb C-R-E, uh, Caleb Cray, but people don't, that don't make sense. Caleb C-R-E, C-A-L-E-B-C-R-E, uh, or on Facebook as well, saying, I don't have a podcast yet, although we're going to have a podcast for the whole community. Okay. But uh, I got I to gotta label that still. We don't okay. have that labels yet. Okay. Uh, the church, thehope.cc is the website. So you can check that out. We're going to be doing church starting September 18th. Uh, every Sunday, 10 a.m. over at City of Refuge uh, over on uh, MLKS 3612 MLK Boulevard in Sacramento. Is that the information? Did I nail it? I, think, I, I mean, I think so. Caleb, I appreciate you for being my first guest. Thanks for having me on. 100%. I hope everybody got some good gems, and this is the Creator Balance Show. <laughs>